Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So let us begin. So the episode starts off where Din and Baby Yoda and Boba Fett's armor uh, are on a speeder and they're speeding away from slaying a crate dragon uh, when all of a sudden there just so happens to be uh, some individuals looking for friggin' Baby Yoda uh, and they literally set up a, like a, a tripwire, um, blow up Mandalorian's uh, speeder. Uh, Baby Yoda goes flying out. Uh, ultimately, there's a big fight that ensues. Uh, Mando kicks a bunch of their asses and knocks a few of them out by pulling his gun towards them. Uh, and then there's a bit of a standoff with the one final kind of raider or bounty hunter holding a knife to Baby Yoda. Uh, they make a trade. He demands Mando's jetpack. And as soon as he takes it, uh, Mando uses his remote to send the jetpack way up. Uh, zoom it around a little bit, uh, and then the guy falls to the ground dead, and then Mando returns the jet pack safely to him, Baby Yoda, uh, and then they go to Mos Eisley to meet up with Peli to tell her about their uh, their spoils after Mando has to drag along all their gear. That's right, he has to walk through the desert because all he really lost in, lost in this encounter was the speeder that wasn't his to begin with. He goes back and sees Peli, is that her name? Yeah. Um, and uh, she kind of lets him know about how there is, in fact, a known uh, collective of Mandalorians, in fact, not too far from here. And you can go, but you're going to have to give passage to this friend of mine um, who I can totally vouch for, uh, trust her with my life, uh, bring her aboard. Uh, and then, of course, it comes out that, uh, in fact, Pelly doesn't know this this character very well at all. It's a, this frog lady. a frog lady, as she's apparently canonically known, who is also trying to take her um, canister of eggs, her spawn, back to where her husband has found refuge um, in the galaxy. And because without, without her and her eggs returning back to the husband, their bloodline will die off. And so Mando is incredibly reluctant because in order to tra travel her eggs, he has to avoid using hyperdrive um, because it would be bad for the eggs, and he doesn't want to travel slow because he's trying to completely stay off the radar. Eventually, he gives in. They get up in the sky, um, and he's really just kind of tense because Baby Yoda's clearly quite uh, curious about the eggs, and he's just trying to keep everything from from going poorly. Yeah, Din tries to communicate, but it doesn't go really well with Frog Lady. He realizes Baby Yoda has been in, uh, having a snack on some of these uh, unfertilized eggs. So it's a bit of a, of a learning father, not really knowing exactly what to do. They have, they have a little nap together. Uh, things go a little awry. Uh, a couple New Republic uh, X-Wings approach them, ask them for a little bit of information. Din uh, is a little bit shifty and kind of gives some partial answers and talks about how his ship is pre-Empire, so they don't necessarily need the same requirements. But uh, because he's unable to fully identify himself, they have to bring him in to check that he's not an Imperial. So he does some evasive maneuvers uh, and he dives down into the atmosphere of an icy planet, uh, does a bunch of very cool maneuvers and uh, drifts and slides on some snow into a cave. Uh, and then ultimately and unfortunately falls down through the ice. Uh, and so while he's down there, he goes out to try and kind of fix the ship. Baby Yoda is still having some snacks. Uh, and Frog Lady is really, really unimpressed with Din's um, lack of eagerness to get them off uh, and hold up his end of the bargain. She restarts uh, Richard Iowati's Zero Droid uh, and communicates with him using that vocal box, uh, ultimately getting him to pick up his act and move a little bit quicker. Uh, Baby Yoda notices something and ultimately they uh, follow uh, uh, 
something off into a weird cave and they realize that, oh, it's a hot spring that Frog Lady has found uh, and is warming up her eggs in there. So while they're over there, uh, Baby Yoda wanders off again, finds this weird little cocoon thing that he peels open and eats the little spider uh, baby that was inside the... And But this really just uh, kicks off a huge, uh, terrifying... Uh, uh, chase scene. Basically, he's awoken the spider's nest, including mommy. And and so there's just this horrifying mammoth uh, giant spider beast chasing Mando and Frog Lady and Baby Yoda back to the Razor Crest. They get back there. The spiders are with them every step of the way. Like, thousands and thousands of spiders flood into the Razor Crest. They manage their way into the cockpit, uh, seal the door, and they seem safe. They're ready to fly away. And then Mama Spider like lunges down on top of the razor crest and they seem like they're probably lost all hope when suddenly fire opens upon mama spider kills her and all the other babies standing by mando gets a chance to peek outside and it's the two x-wing pilots from earlier rescuing him yes the two x-wing pilots essentially realize that they say to him we ran your information we figured out who you are we put things together and realized that although you did um apprehend and break free one prisoner and uh, are wanted as a result of that uh, you also apprehended uh, and put in prison three individuals equally as wanted and in the same process put your life in harm's way to protect uh, a lieutenant in the new republic as a result we're gonna let this one slide mm. now get that beacon fixed peace out yeah and uh mando kind of pretty much the episode mando kind of asks for like a little more technical help and they're like you know what no i think we've done you enough favors bye and and so mando and the heroes they fly off and the razor crest has seen better days like it's got an open hatch oh, yeah. as they fly out into space now i wanted to to mention uh off the top when you told me about this episode before i had seen it uh, mm. You said that it has some of the cutest moments ever in Star Wars. That's easy to see. There's so much excellent Baby Yoda. And he drives the plot yeah. in this episode more so than the first episode of the season. Uh, but you also said some of the grossest stuff in, in Star Wars. And I didn't really know what that meant. I have a history of getting really queasy at like gory stuff. But I figured that probably wasn't coming up in Star Wars. You assured me that wasn't the case. You, in yeah. fact, said that as a child, it would have troubled you, but that I'd be okay with it. And I just could never have imagined what you meant. Um until I saw, of course, this enormous spider, which has never really been a, a weakness of mine. What you really should have said was one of the scariest things ever in Star Wars, because it's horrifying. Yes, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's absolutely, extremely stressful and uh, a distressing sequence. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's awful. It's yeah. really awful. I absolutely hate it. It's from original drawings of Ralph McQuarrie. Yeah. Uh, and these spiders were brought into Rebels and they were called the Krikna. Uh, and these ones aren't exactly the same, but they look extremely similar. And so they're clearly a similar species. And it's they're just so disgusting. They were gross in Rebels, but they're foully disgusting in the volume. And it was, it was just so... Uh, it's an episode I've watched three times now. Hmm. Uh, I skipped through it, the spider part on the third time. Um, and I've seen enough. I here. won't watch this episode probably ever again. Interesting. And it's only because of that. I just, it's just, there's no, well, cause then the episode to me, it's only like, I don't know, 18 or minutes or 20 minutes. And, You're right. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, and then I just, 
my skin crawls knowing what's coming. It's it's funny. Like as soon as Baby Yoda starts wandering off and he starts kind of prodding at that little uh, little spider cocoon. Is that what we'll call mm. it? I guess. Um, yeah. It's, it's it, some cute opening it up though. And yes. It. But uh, as soon as that happens, I can't help but say to myself, I've got a bad feeling about this. Like, oh, and, yeah. and the music is even kind of gentle in that moment, but I just knew very quickly. And as soon as you see one spider, you realize we're going to have an Aragog situation. I'm sorry. I always do that on this podcast, but I mean, it, that is what it's reminiscent of. Granted the Krikna existed canonically before Chamber of Secrets did, but a big chase through a labyrinth. With, Shelob, same yeah, sort of thing. Absolutely. Thousands of tiny spiders and one big mama spider. Now, this, it, we'll call her a Krikna, I guess. This She's kind of white, I guess, because she lives in the snow. Yeah. And her face is very similar to that of a Demogorgon from Stranger Things. I didn't see Stranger Things. So that means that's extra confirmation to not want to see Stranger Things. Fair enough. I mean, that's uh, the with, main monster in Stranger Things. It's the one that comes back the 360 most. 360 degree circular mouth. fanged mouth. It's yes. just, it's so gross uh, and like saggy and uh, sharp and screechy and everything. It's deeply upsetting. Now, I would say this episode is a smaller scale uh, episode from the the first of the season. It's more mm. contained anyway. So much of it exists within um, either in the Razor Crest or in the caves. It does feel mighty cinematic, though. They're still able to pull off something like really grand, oh, technologically speaking. Impressive budget, once again. Nothing lost on that. And, and that's like, yeah, it definitely has movie quality to it, for sure. But now... But this one is also feels a little bit more like it's... It's intended to be watched in a binge than in other episodes. That's fair. Whereas chapter nine stands more on its own. I feel chapter 10 is more suited for a binge watch of the season. There's actually not a ton of story in this. And we can talk about Frog Lady in a minute, I guess, because she's really where the where the narrative, where, where that's where the narrative is driven in this episode. Other than that, it's kind of just a little mini adventure. And I realize that's kind of what Mando is doing intentionally with this series. But I really hope episode three of the season uh, pushes the plot forward a little more because as much as I loved the first one, we've now done two episodes in a row, which is really just about defeating a huge monster. Um, and both of them were really well done, but like, I'd like a little more dialogue in episode three. I would definitely like more dialogue in the next episode. So the next couple episodes um, kind of have a kind of clear path laid out for them. Uh, the next episode, just based on what we've seen in... Um, the trailers and what we know to come next frog lady appears in the trailers in the background of a couple shots. Um, and so it can be assumed and we know that Carl Weathers directs episode four of this season. So chapter 12, that's cool. Um, or yeah, chapter 12. Um, so it would be assumed that the shots that we've seen from Navarro with, um, the Mithral Caradun and, um, Grief Karga is going to be episode four. Then we know that likely he ditches Frog Lady in episode three. Uh, and this is this planet Trask that they've talked about and where they're going. Uh, and so it looks like the shot of them on the big boat, the big frigate. Oh, yeah. Um, that seems to be, or the fishing ship. I don't really know what it is. Um, but that uh, seems to be the next episode. And Sasha Banks um, really seems to be a man, likely a Mandalorian. Um, she's been teased a lot. She was the kind of like the, the hooded figure in the trailer that disappears. 
And that appears to be in what would be in the next episode. And She's unmasked that, then. She would be not wearing her gear. Well, that would also be him not understanding things. And this is something that I've been kind of piecing together a little bit more, really thinking about that's coming really soon. His realization, and he's going to meet other Mandalorians who don't follow his creed. Mm. And like, is he like, Maybe the armorer was not someone to follow. He was raised by Death Watch, which was a sect of Mandalorians who were extremely like they were extremists. They were like warmongering extremists. And like is Din gonna find out that the Mandalorian uh that he's been raised to be is not a Mandalorian? And will he be rejected by the other Mandalorians who don't necessarily approve of the foundling nature? Maybe? Yeah, could be. And will that give him a huge crisis crisis of conscience potentially, or like identity crisis, uh, and not knowing where his allegiances lie, um, or even really who he is? And then, uh, or will he see it as more kind of a liberating opportunity where he can take the mask off? But that doesn't seem as likely. Um, but he's going to realize people who understand the Mandalorian culture and history a lot better than him have absolutely no issue taking off their helmet. It would be kind of a shame if Pedro Pascal didn't get to have a little bit more face time in the show, considering he's the star of one of the most popular shows of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wanted, and I like to imagine that he takes it off in that little bunk with uh, the child because they're family now. So he's sure. allowed to. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, it sort of shit didn't look like that when they took their little nap. Although that was so cute when they went in. He puts them in his little hammock and then he goes and takes a, a, a little nap. I will say, as adorable as Baby Yoda is in this episode, um, I, 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 one of my takebacks is that there are a few shots where he looks like a doll. And he doesn't normally, like he's normally a very convincing animatronic, but there's I, yeah. maybe when he's held a couple of times, he kind of looks like the baby from American Sniper. Okay, maybe. I, I, I mean, I, I totally get that. Uh, I think in part, um, one thing that helps is the big sack clothing that he has. Yeah. It, it doesn't make him look as much like a... But at the, also at the same time, we're used to babies being a little bit more like a floppy, um, semi-unfilled um, bag of flour. Yeah. Uh, whereas Baby Yoda can, can, can perfectly walk on his own. And we found out he also has his own babble... Uh, in this episode and has a great conversation with Dadalorian as dad uh, Dadalorian is fixing the, <laughs> the, the razor crest. And she's like, I gotta show you, but what's going on in the tunnels here? Come, come see. Considering how little we know about the species and how little Mando knows about the species, it's interesting that there doesn't seem to be any concern about what Baby Yoda can climatologically withstand because Mando's mm -hmm. in a, like a temper controlled suit, I, I would assume. But like Baby Yoda spent a lot of time in the blazing heat and now also in the freezing cold and he always wears the same little sack and he seems to go pretty go pretty unscathed by the temperatures maybe that's overthinking it yeah it, it it might be but at the same time it seems pretty logical he didn't have he doesn't have shoes on i don't think no. and he's a little reptile um who loves other little reptiles to eat or amphibians i should say he's more frog <laughs> yeah um but he's just uh it, he, he was he was very curious he was a curious little toddler in this episode. Yes. Okay, what about Frog Lady? It bothers me very much that she's called Frog Lady in the subtitles. Yes. And like, it, like 
It's it's fine there's, if she's frog like, but like everything about her is they just call her a frog, and that's troubling to me. Yeah, it's getting frustrating um, with this inability to name characters. Mm. Uh, there's zero reason, uh, and it's incredibly, incredibly uh, anti Star Wars to not name characters. Yeah, or their species. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even if it is frog, which it's not, that's not beyond Star Wars to do that kind of shit mm. uh, either. But in this same sense, there is like, um, what was his name? Um, the uh, the client mm. who was uh, Werner Herzog's character in, in season one. He didn't have a name. His name in canon is the client. Yeah, that's uh, not good because we're the just child. Yeah, like I don't like this. Like, stop it. I'm not gonna stop I, it right it now. It feels so frog lady. Yes. Stop this. It feels so ridiculous to refer to a character in a thing you're trying to take seriously to refer to them as the client. Well, what about, what would the client do in this situation? So what I'm going to do instead is call him Werner Herzog, and that's also dumb because I'm trying to be or invested. I'm trying to be in 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 engulfed in this. So like, let me utilize the terminology. If you want to keep certain people a mystery, that makes perfect sense. You can't do it all the time. Exactly. And this is clearly an example where there's zero reason for it. Whereas maybe if the client had lived, I could have believed that he was related to somebody. Um, and or like, or maybe he was like secretly like a Mandalorian. And that's how it was like, there was some kind of connection there. And I could like, you could draw some lines and baby Yoda. I get why they haven't named him. Although I still really hate it and want him to have a name. Yeah. Like, really i really want it to be this season mm -hmm. so that we don't have to do another year of this she's just uh, a little childish and kind of like kind of cringy like when she, when we find her bathing in the hot spring i know she's like trying to warm up her eggs but i've just like ugh, this was i, I just found it kind of stupid it um, was it was, a, it was weird yeah i mean i uh i thought it was interesting because i mean i i get the the point of having this like it, it's another person for man the mando to care about and uh, to to have to put up with and develop patience and it's another parent and he it's that's true this episode is all about parenting his inability to parent baby yoda uh and like the her trying to deliver her eggs and him kind of learning new things and baby yoda um like just all the killing that he does and baby yoda being like super cool with it like the look that he gives them when he like does the jetpack thing is just like Nice one, Dad. I mean, the jetpack thing. Good. The jetpack thing. I is love that. So That's part of the so funny. It's such a great, great moment. Um, let's talk about Baby Yoda and the eggs because it, to, frankly, like if you were really unsettled with the, the spiders, obviously you wouldn't be the only one. I mm. felt really wrong about Baby Yoda and the eggs, and I. You are not the only one. Everyone feels wrong about that. On really, because it's like I think. I think I thought it was going somewhere. And at one point, like when he first puts his hands on the on the canister, it kind of looks like they're like forcefully being pulled to him. And so like maybe there's something we've yet to develop about his connection with these things. And then I thought halfway through the episode, yeah. maybe we're going to find out he's actually not swallowing them. Or like uh, like maybe the thing is going to get uh, shattered by and like she's going to be heartbroken and he's going to reveal he has two of the eggs in his mouth and they're safe or something. But that didn't happen. And so oh, that would have been actually really cool. That's, I like that. That's good thinking. I thought that's where we were going. But then it, it kind of just became like a, a, a three-peat gag. And I was like, okay, but it's already the only thing we know about her is that it's very important to her that these get from there to here. And we're trying to like exploit his cuteness to destroy them. And I don't blame mm -hmm. Baby Yoda, but I was like, 
I, I kind of thought it would mean more and it, it didn't yeah. and it felt weird. Yeah, I would agree on all of that. Yeah. It, it is a kind of a, a lot of they're unfertilized. Mm. So it's just eggs the same way we would eat eggs. And that is one thing to consider. But okay. it, it is clear. Like I I wish we could see how many there were in there. We see him eat three. He has clearly eaten at least at least four, probably at least five or more. Uh, and it doesn't look like there's any any more than at most absolute absolute most 20 yeah and i would say that's a high guess i would say maybe like 12 and so he's maybe gone through like a third of them <laughs> well and here's the other thing i'm a person with pets and i know that if a pet has Me done too. has done something they shouldn't do and then you leave them alone they're probably doing it in the other room and i became very distracted when we saw Baby Yoda was eating the eggs and then Mando goes back to the cockpit. I'm like, I don't even, I'm not even paying attention to this. I am fixated entirely on the fact that Baby Yoda is definitely back there eating more eggs. Yep. Yeah, and then that's Mando not paying enough attention and not uh, not doing his fatherly duties uh, to um, give him a, a timeout or to scold him. Right, right. You might be right. I will say, I think I liked uh, Pelly more than I have before. I think maybe she's starting to grow on me. Oh, that's interesting because uh, I I, I kind of felt that way last episode, and then to put in my take backs, uh, Pelly in general again. Um, I just I didn't like the the skank and the scud pie uh, and the way she ate meat. Uh, those yeah. are the really the that and the spider being disgusting uh, were my big take backs for the episode. There's nothing specific I can pinpoint with Frog Lady uh, except for her name being Frog Lady. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of that. I'm trying to think of other things that we should really mention. Well, oh, uh, the cameo from Mr. Dave Filoni. He's been in this role yeah. before, correct? These two guys have turned up before. Well, no, not both of them. Uh, interestingly, I, oh, I forget the actor's name. Um, he's in Kim's Convenience. Uh, yeah, that's right. But, yeah, and he he apparently has about a dozen uh, like high quality self made Star Wars cosplay costumes. Wow! So this is a dream come true for him, nice. which makes me like applaud with happiness for the guy, which is great. And they gave him on all the, the all hand, the acting. Like he gets all the lines because Dave Filoni's not an actor. Well, that on top of it, the only reason Dave Filoni is there is because John Favreau is doing it to fuck with him. He said specifically in the gallery how much he hates being on camera. And Favreau said, and that's why you're going to be in every season, my friend. Any chance I can put you in an X-Wing, I will. Can you imagine? <laughs> Dave loves wolves, though. Yeah. And so he got a new helmet and he got had some wolves on it. Right. And so that's why his name is... The character's Trapper name is Wolf. Trapper Wolf. That's one of my trivia questions. You've already answered, I think, all of the trivia questions that I had prepared. The other guy is Carson Teva. Yeah, that was my night question for you. My my Padawan question was, how many frog eggs does Baby Yoda consume in this episode? And you said, it, it is three. Uh, do you want me to give you my master question? Go for it. What outpost does the X-Wing pilot say he'll have to escort Mando to if he can't confirm he isn't Imperial? A Delphi outpost. What is that? You're correct. What, what is, is that just a random word? It just really stuck out to me. It was yeah. one of those ones that just kind of stuck out and kind of remembered it in particular. Me but too. no, uh, it would just be a space outpost to pull him over and a station for him to go in. And it's a, a speed check. Like, uh, can I pull you over here on the, uh, take the next exit. I loved that. I think it's so cool oh, to just great. to just see like grunt work, like as if they're just kind of like doing a typical like beat routine traffic stop, stop, beat cop stuff. Like it was, it was kind of neat to just to see them like in a relatively peaceful time in the galaxy, just kind of like going about daily business. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, 
I had uh, I had a, a handful of backup questions, um, and you there was uh, the three eggs as well, and I also had the the trapper wolf one. Um, I guess I knew he liked wolves. He's like a guy with like wolf t-shirts and stuff. Yeah, That's he part- always wears a wolf t-shirt. He brought wolves um, into um, so actually Kane and Jarrus, who's really one of the best characters uh, created. He's a top 15 character in Star Wars, in my opinion. Top 10, probably. He's one of the best characters created outside of films. Uh, And he doesn't come back as a Force ghost, but he does come back in his connection to um, a a, a line of wolves. Like There are animals that are Force-sensitive in in the universe, not necessarily Jedi-capable, but Force-sensitive. And so he kind of comes back and does some bidding as like a final force um, movement through through a wolf, and so that was kind of a cool thing to introduce to Star Wars on a, on a larger thing extent. Uh, but uh, kind of one question for me would be, uh, who is Pelly playing cards with at the beginning of the chapter? Doctor Mandible. Yes, and uh, do you know why he's in particularly a, like a funny character for this episode? No, but I recognize the name. I think we must have talked about him before. Uh, no, people are talking about that. I actually don't know what that's from at all. I meant I heard somebody mention on a podcast uh, that they thought the name was funny as well, and I don't get the joke. Maybe I, I or or the reference. So it probably is a reference to something, but I don't know it. I just think that uh, he turned up in the Most Isolated Cantina in the first season. Like I, th- I think that he's just been in the background before. I don't know anything. Maybe I don't know the I name mean, I, to be interesting or amusing. I just I remember it, and I I think that it's not his first appearance. Okay, maybe maybe not. Um, but. Uh, no, it's interesting because if you, how would you describe him uh, in the sense of frog lady terms? Uh, ant dude, or or like cricket guy or something. Like he looks like a big bug. Okay, think of. Um, he reminds me of Honey I Shrunk the Kids when they're in the backyard and there's like a big. Oh my egg. god, he absolutely yeah. does. Yeah, great <laughs> reference. Yeah. Wow. No, that's not what I was going with. Anyway, I can't, I can't figure out a way to lead you any further on this one. No, uh, Peyton Reed directed Ant Man. Is he's the director of Ant Man? That's what you're trying to get me to say. Yes, exactly. I yeah. see. I see. Yeah. Well, and I, I did acknowledge that it's interesting that Peyton Reed directed this episode because he like clearly works with bugs a lot. But I didn't yeah. put together that also there is literally an Ant Man in the Most yeah. Icy Cantina. Yes, very cute, very clever. Cl- surely not a coincidence. Uh, next question. After locking S-Foils into position, uh, where did the New Republic pilots ask Din if he has been in the vicinity of? Mm. It's in reference to the correctional transport. I don't know. Some of that was just kind of like gobbledygook, and I didn't like register all of it. That That's fair. It, it's called, the, the, the ship was called Bothan 5. Oh, so yeah. I okay. I recognize that. In that exchange, it's funny. There's a... Uh, uh, may the force be with you, which Mando offers up. I'm not sure we've had a May the Force be with you in, in the Mandalorian before. Maybe not, but um, the best part is. And also with you, which we've definitely we've never had we've only ever joked about that. Like that's a, th- a funny thing Catholics say. Yeah, I think it has to be the name of the episode. Oh, okay. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, not, I don't have many quotes. Um I'll get to those maybe after my my master question, just the, the last one right here. Okay. Um I see if there's one that this is one that you, you can get just because it's it's just a it's a guess you can just guess it you probably didn't hear it though what channel do carson and trapper switch to before opening s foils or locking them into attack formation 
it's oh, a number. I would guess yeah, channel two. There you go. Channel oh, two, you got Okay. It. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing. I, I had like four of them on here and I was just, I was like, with the Trapper and Carson, I was going to ask you, uh, what was the, um, the number of the prisoner he helped escaped? X six nine eleven. I wasn't going to give any of that stuff. But. No, right. you know, I was thinking. Uh, like, apparently, Ralph McQuarrie designed the Krikna for the Empire Strikes Back, right? Yeah, for uh, Dagobah, I believe. Yes, it was for Dagobah. But like, what if because we're in a winter planet here? What if instead of a spider um, infestation, they had to do? What if they had to get away with get away from some wampas? Would that have been more exciting for you? No, no. It, it will. I would have preferred it in the sense that it wasn't spiders. I would have hated it in the sense that it would have made the galaxy feel really small. The and also, Wampas, like abominable yeah. snowmen are on all the cold planets now. That seems weird. It's also hard to imagine Mando being really overwhelmed by like, I, I mean, unless it was thousands of them and then like, it's not, it's not the same. This right. There's something like deeply insidious about the fact that it's creepy crawlies. Yeah. And the fact that he's completely overwhelmed by them because there are so many of them. Yeah, his his goose was cooked there for a second, if not for those two pilots yeah, returning. Mando's goose is cooked almost every episode before someone saves his ass. That's pretty true. Yeah, he makes a lot of friends along the way. Yep. I mean, I think, uh, does Cobb Vance save his ass at any point, or does he do all of the ass saving in Chapter 9? I think he does all the ass saving in Chapter 9, but that's when we'll meet Cobb Vance again. He'll come out of nowhere and save Mando. Yeah. Potentially, that's probably true. Uh, the only quote, the only quotes I run, I wrote down are in fact all pretty good contenders for an episode title. Although we can go with and also with you if you like. But I'm not a taxi service is pretty good. Uh, we, yeah. we got a runner, which was in fact Dave Filoni's line. Uh, yeah. Am I under arrest? Technically, you should be, but these are trying times. That always I love the way he said that. Yeah, but yeah. these are trying times. He put mustard on it for sure. Uh, yeah. st stop your crying, you'll rust. That's a good Pelly line. That was a great line. Yeah. I really like that one. Uh, and she also had the other one. Oh, you finally found another Mandalorian and you killed him? <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I'm an excellent judge of character. She said that yeah, was that last was an, time. That was another funny one. There was some yeah. good delivery, although it was she was just a little over the top and annoying with the, um, with the like, yeah, idiots array, pay up. Yeah, uh, fair enough. But uh, let's say you fix that transponder. We don't vaporize that antique next time we patrol the rim. <laughs> I thought that was really good as well. Right, yeah. Uh, frog lady, wake up, Mandalorian. I guess those are just stories for children. It was really good. And by the way, coolest thing I've seen in a while that she was able to use his vocabulary to talk to him. I've never seen that in Star Wars. But, well, not well, not so overtly. Skywalker. Yeah, I guess so. But like, it was just... It, it gave her a little bit of badassery and she had another moment later on where she actually was a pretty crack shot with her little oh, blaster. Yeah. Like she wasn't just hey, this. Yoda. She wasn't Baby just. Yoda a, was crying. <laughs> oh, I know. She wasn't just like a little damsel. She actually was able to do some pretty cool stuff. Yep. That's yep. definitely true. Um, there's also uh, Din's line. Just kidding. If that happened, we'd all be dead. <laughs> um, if you put one mark on him, there's no place you will be able to hide from me. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. But that, uh, oh, and nap time. <laughs> Those are just lines out. Uh, a few people are pointing out that the helmet of the guy who gets jetpacked back into the ground is later seen in The Force Awakens uh, trying to get BB-8 from Rey on Jakku. Uh, Tito? Yeah. I think I think so. Obviously, it's not the same guy because that guy it gets his bones crushed yeah. here on Tatooine. But we see this face again. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
You mean like sorry, like within the like is, is it the same helmet that Tito's wearing, or is it? Well, who, I don't know who Tito is, but the guy who gets he, who gets jetpacked in this episode, he he, it's the same guy who tries to get BB-8 from Ray in okay, the Force so Awakens. That, that is Tito. Yeah, okay, not the same guy, obviously, but they look the same, they look same the same. Species. Yeah, they, they look to be honest, it looks like a Jawa in armor. I thought of that too. It's a really cool sequence. And they like, sound like them, and they're the same size. They very effectively like clothesline Mando right off the speeder. Um, and using the jetpack to ease his fall was smart. Now, do you think that they're working for, um, oh, forgive me, what's his name? For Esposito? Like, do you think they're working for, they must be, like, they're trying to get the child. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, under that circumstance, I mean, I would assume grief has called off bounties, but um, there's some other means of tracking bounties that, um, uh Moff Gideon has put in place and is clearly sending out people to track him. Uh, mm. It was interesting because his helmet is kind of stained still. Mm, I noticed I'm that. I'm curious to know if he's going to get a paint job. I would love that, honestly. Like He, he I, had his old armor painted. Yeah, I think I think he actually needs a little bit of that. He's starting to look like I'm getting used to it, but when he first got the all-silver armor, I was disappointed. I thought it was boring. I don't feel that way yeah. anymore, but like I would like a little bit. We're used to Mandalorian armor having a little color on it, a little flair. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't need to be the exact same like color pattern. It shouldn't be the same color pattern, but it should be green. But he might adopt a new creed, and his colors might be determined by that. Yeah, and, and I think that would be fitting for his clan, but it'd be good for him to have like tan and uh, and light green as opposed to uh, his like light blue and, and like maroon that he had in like the first two episodes. Do you mean light green because of Baby Yoda? Absolutely, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it's a miracle no harm comes to Baby Yoda in this episode. Uh, when he goes rolling off the speeder, mm. it's you just you're terrified for the little dude. One of my favorite uh, Baby Yoda moments from this episode is when it's the only time he's eating when it's not eating eggs, and he just has his little bento box. I know the little salad. Yeah, it's super cute. I know. Ridiculous. He doesn't seem appealed with it though. Like no. he's like, I want, I want the eggs. He wants the eggs. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I think I liked it maybe a little bit more than you. I thought it was like a really good episode. I thought it was really impressive. I uh, no, I, I really liked it. It was the spiders. The, yeah. I mean, they're the, gross. They they're they're me. genuinely scary. What do we think is going to happen to the Razor Crest? Because like there were a few moments where I was like, this is the last episode for the Razor Crest for sure. It's and, getting a little ridiculous how much it gets just picked apart and how easy it is to fix. And the fact that he has the materials to fix it. All the time, yeah. Yeah, like he like they went through the glass in the cockpit. How is the cockpit pressurized now? I, I don't know. But like he's like flying. It's it's wide open as he's flying around in space. Like especially when the spider came back down. I was like, all right, this is never flying again. Which was a little he disappointing because we liked the ship. But like then he does fly it kind of no problem. We do. I'll be honest. I'm not a huge fan of the Rage, Razor Crest. I think it's one of the ugliest designs in Star Wars. Okay. I think it's great in its uh, functionality. Uh, I think it's got a lot of uh, convenience to it. I, I think it's the fact that the front is so tall before the little cockpit. I just think it looks so strange. Yeah, uh, that's I, fair. I, I wouldn't hate uh, it getting a large makeover. Okay. Keep the ship, but I wouldn't mind a makeover on it. I just think because we're getting to be more intimately familiar with it than almost any other ship in Star Wars at this point. It would yeah. be a shame to let it go. Although I guess I wouldn't cry any tears over that if he got a real upgrade. 
Yeah, no, I, I, the cockpit is nice. It's certainly been kind of the, one of the main hubs for the show, uh, by all means. Anything else you want to say about this episode? Uh, not necessarily. The The ice planet is called Maldo Kreis, or Kreis. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of weird that it actually has a canon name uh, in it. Uh, next planet we're going to is Trask. Would have been nice if we had probably had gotten to Trask, maybe, just to kind of get over that maybe hurdle, throw an extra couple minutes into the episode, but maybe think something happens before we even get there or something happens immediately. So uh, the, the pacing was nice. No complaints on that. And so yeah. uh, I'm excited for the next one. It's already off to a good start. And it's nice that we're also seeing most of the stuff come from the first few episodes that were in the trailers and really not piecing a whole lot together other than what we kind of know what will happen in general over the next two episodes. We don't know what will happen over the next two episodes. We don't we know, know who, who's directing the next episode. We're not too up on I that. I don't know who's doing the next one, but the one after is Carl Weathers. And so there's only so many people who it could be. It'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah. So it's, it's not, be, it's not Chow. It's going to be Famuyua or, yeah, it's not Chow. It could be Famuyua. It might be Bryce Dallas Howard. It might be um, Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. um, and it might be, or my. It, it's not Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni is doing episode five, I think. Okay, all right. Favreau may be doing a second one. He might be doing two this I, season. I think he's doing two. I think I heard that. It's it's okay. I we'll find he, out when it happens. Then that would mean he's he's the one who's doing two, I guess. Unless, because uh, I... I I don't know if I've heard confirmation that Bryce Dallas Howard is doing one, but I feel like she is. So we don't have to transition out of Mandalorian talk to actually transition into the news because there's a little bit going on in terms of the rumor mill. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we're in, are you referring to uh, Boba Fett? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, there's a pretty good rumor or certainly some buzz around the notion that there may be a Boba Fett spinoff. Uh, yeah. And that they may do a miniseries a la Obi-Wan to kind of tell his story. Now, that could um, result in a, still having a small story told the Mandalorian or maybe not really. And just allowing you to uh, understand how he got out of the Sarlacc pit or that he is out of the Sarlacc pit so that people aren't confused when this show happens. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. I'm... I'm excited to know Morrison's back. I would rather some things be played out a little bit in the Mandalorian uh, before going straight into a Boba Fett show, but I don't mind it if it's uh, intentionally planned to be short. And I almost prefer it if we get more from him, though, in the Mandalorian, than to just do this, well, I want to. I, I want to see something else first. Exactly, because so, we. But it may be coming this season. We we've don't know. talked a lot about how the Mandalorian is the Boba Fett show that never was, and that that's a good compromise. And we can kind of tick off both boxes here in one contained place. Now, if you have a good idea for how you want to tell this story, and it's like yeah. you said, it's it's snug and contained, and you can you know tell this in four episodes or whatever. Look, I'm there for it, but like. We've said many times, Boba Fett is thus far not a terribly interesting person. Um, and we have lots of reason to believe he could be. Um, but we can yeah. probably do that without giving him his own show. Again, not that I'm against it, but just it better, got, better be worth well, it. He has, a, he has a clone, so there's potential, a lot of potential. Yeah. It's just a matter of we haven't necessarily fulfilled that. But so. but if you're going to tell the story, you might as well like show him getting out of the Sarlacc. And then what do you like... CGI Django Fett's face onto him. By what which, by which I mean, two thousand one 
Tamara Morrison's face onto some actor who's young enough to play Boba Fett climbing out of the Sarlacc? This only play, takes place six years after that. I guess that's a good point, but he he is older. He's like a lot older. He has aged. Then you go, I guess, on the basis of he's been on Tatooine for five years uh, or six years. So that means that's like 10 or 15 because the way Obi-Wan ages uh, and the way they do talk about the way the Tatooine son, look at Baru, look at Owen. Uh, it just ages <laughs> yeah. you like crazy. Yeah, um, what, what that is, is just a, ti- he, a tidy explanation for something that doesn't make sense. And we're, Well, we're, the fact that they got so many ages wrong, they had yeah. to find something. Um, yeah. I mean, friggin' Darth Vader only dies at age 45, but yeah. uh, all those early years in the sand, they just caught up to him in, Feels the, in the later years. And when you wear a mask a lot of the time, no sunlight, if it's bad for the skin, you don't look great. And also, <laughs> if you get a bunch of acid on you from Sarlacc Pit, Boba Fett definitely is, uh, he's seen better days. It's true, yes. The the lava burns do not age you well. No, not in the slightest. Not so much. Um, there are a lot of other things. Uh, on the topic of the Mandalorian, uh, there is the Carl Weathers talked about, uh, his, uh, episode that he's directing. Uh, also, uh, I, I, I've had, I'm done with Gina Carano. I'm oh no. Like, get off social media. Just yeah. stop. I don't, I don't agree with her as on, 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 on her political stance or who, or her belief in, in media or, um the things that she selectively chooses to um vocalize in her free speech you have your free speech but when you're only saying limited things and they're not smart things and they're hurtful things um, they can be hurtful things uh they're very baiting things yeah. and they're supportive of incredibly 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 hurtful things um well, and so just a lot of retweeting uh, just bonkers shit from even crazier people. Um, and just in general, uh, what it seems like she stands for behind uh, a very friendly uh, front that doesn't seem to align with any value sets that are friendly. So uh, it, it makes me just, uh, the main thing is just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Just stop talking. But isn't she a former wrestler? Yeah. So or is, MMA, is, one of the two. Is I don't, it possible? I, MMA, I think. Is it possible she's using using that performative instinct to try and create an antagonistic pop cultural presence for herself? Like she's trying to play a character in the press. I would not think so anymore. I don't yeah. think it's is no, not when you're working for Disney, not when you're trying to be an actor and you're you, kind no, you of shouldn't that be. part in your life. You shouldn't not, do it. Yes, especially if you're past that part in your life. And this is like it. It's dangerous, in, in in my opinion, in in this world. Like, if you're going to use your position um, to be political, and I mean, people have the agenda to do that, uh, you should use your position to be political, as opposed to just retweeting crazy shit and then like oh. giving the fingers me and like, oh, you people are all so judgmental. You're all so terrible, and just a lot of this woe is me attitude. If you actually have things to say. Um, stand behind what you actually have to say and have convictions so that we can judge you for who you are as opposed to being somebody who just uses social media as a platform to um, goat people on important situations and then ultimately cry um, victim and look how terrible the world is. Well, that sounds familiar. That, that recipe sounds like something I've seen in other people on the yeah. internet. And so it's, it's just something that um, 
I can, I can get over it. Uh, but I would just really like her to be told, uh, you, I mean, this is not something you should under any circumstance lose your job over. Um, but maybe we're going to write into your season three contract that you just you kind of have to give up Twitter or you kind of have to, you know, limit it to only ever talking about Star Wars or projects you're involved in uh, because you don't, you, you, you just, you, you're not reliable or responsible enough to have social media. No, know? no. She's not responsible enough to have social media, especially as someone playing uh, a strong female character in a show meant for little girls uh, and little boys and children and, uh, in the sense that she wants to be a role model, I think she's doing a bad job. Of it. Yeah, she's also just never going to be famous enough to have the the um, the autonomy publicly to to be above being told what she can and can't say publicly while while uh, yeah owning one of their properties, which is this this character of exactly of the privilege of being involved in Star Wars. That used, so. Yeah, that says it better than I did. What else is going on in the news? Um, Harrison Ford, uh, Ron Howard told us about this, but he said, uh, when talking with Harrison Ford to kind of understand the character of Han a little bit better before doing solo, it was interesting. He said that, uh, Han played, um, or Harrison played Han, uh, from the position as an orphan first, uh, and his inability to understand how to form friends or, um, be part of a family or what a family functions as and the inability to kind of connect with people in that regard. And then thus the the false fronts put up and the lack of trust and inability to kind of believe in the found family that you have, despite how amazing it is. It's just kind of that instinct to run because you don't really know it. And so just really interesting tidbit to hear like just how Harrison Ford played Han and, and you, you see it and it makes sense. But also, why are you telling us this, Ron Howard? We got none of that in your movie. <laughs> yeah, you made the goddamn movie. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like, I love that perspective. But like, and, and I, I guess you can see how the Alden Aaron Reich's Han Solo would go on to have trust issues. Although I think he needs to have a little bit more oppression to get there. Certainly to get to mm. Harrison Ford's Han Solo. But like, this guy knows about found family. Like, yeah, I mean, Kira is kind of found family from the beginning for him. Although she does betray him. So there, there is something I, I get a little with that. Yep. And there's definitely the Chewbacca side of things. Yeah, but Chewbacca never betrays him. That is absolutely his found family who he fully accepts. Yes, and then there's a bit of a flaw in that, but I think it's also in part that Chewie is as, like, Han can't, Han, I don't think Han can even really understand why Chewie is so good to him. Maybe. Uh, I, I don't think anybody can, but Chewie, Chewie is just, he's this, yeah, he's the, He's, he's the monster who will pull your arms off. Well, but yeah. only if Han tells you to. And but, but for the you, most part, he's wonderful. You just tapped into something really interesting about Han Solo, which is his personal insecurity. Am I worthy of love? Because he says to mm -hmm. to Luke at the end of A New Hope, do you, do you think a, a woman like that? Do you think a princess could ever be into someone like me? No. And <laughs> and and Luke says no. And Han feels that because the real whole reason mm -hmm. he asked it was he suspected probably not. Yeah. You know? And so maybe, and maybe you're the, right. In, in, maybe maybe in you're right. Return of the Jedi. When Luke gets back, I won't stand in the way. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He just kind of thinks he's a nobody. And so maybe you're right. He doesn't he doesn't totally understand even Chewie's friendship, but he has to appreciate that loyalty. Ah. Because he's just he's had so many years with it. Which is great. And like, see, that stuff's wonderful. It's but nice. like once again, not what we really got in the movie. We got like your checklist of 
stuff Han mentioned in the in the first few minutes that you saw him that made you like think he was cool. Always comes back to being dissatisfied with Solo. I know, which is a bummer. I don't like like shitting on anything Star Wars, but I it's know. just it's just hard to to find a purpose for that one. Um, Ewan McGregor needs to calm down a little bit, although it was probably found it a little bit, but there's a video of him just losing his mind at some press while he's trying to shoot something in a park somewhere. Getting mad? Uh, yeah, he, someone's shooting from like across like a huge pond and he's like just, and you can hear him screaming at them. <laughs> They're zoomed in and the person ends the video with like celebrities. I've but never, at, same, I've, at the same time, it, it, it's a paparazzi, so you never know. Okay, well, paparazzi is different, but I've never known Ewan McGregor to lose his cool. That's interesting. No, so it, it was just kind of weird, but he, he lost his cool. <laughs> well, that's fine. That's um, none of my business. It, it's, yeah. yeah, it's paparazzi, so it's hard to, it's hard yeah. to really know. Um, this is interesting as well. Leslie Headland talked about uh, her Disney Plus TV show that she, that has really had almost nothing mentioned about it. Uh, it clearly seems to be quite a bit underway, uh, but just, an interest, a really interesting take. So what she was saying was, I would say it's in a pocket of the universe and a pocket of the timeline that we don't know much about. For me, it's less about going through the Star Wars universe cinematically or artistically and instead combing through it geographically and going on a literal journey. When we were pitching, I had a designer create that Indiana Jones charted map with the dotted red line and said, this is our journey. This is where we're going literally. Uh, just because my show is technically, yes, female-centric, meaning it centers around a female protagonist, I don't think that necessarily excludes men from that space. Listen, I relate to men characters all the time. I root for Mando. I root for Luke. Uh, an inclusive space means an inclusive space. But at the same time, I think that just because someone has a female protagonist, that doesn't necessarily mean it's only for women. And so I thought just that was la lo loaded with great things. Uh, in particular, the fact that the only thing known about this show prior to this point was that it was going to be female centric which i think is that's a, that that's, that's a stupid thing to have the only thing listed as about a show i think that's because that's like oh okay that that show has an agenda not an idea but by the sounds of it that's not the case and she's correcting people by like that was the first thing that was said about it that is not what the show is at all and so that's completely relieving to hear but not surprising um she sounds like she's taking a really creative and cool approach on how she came to this idea yeah i mean i don't know anything about this but um I, I'm actually like a little bummed that she felt she had to say all that. Like she's not in charge of the one thing that gets leaked about her show. And, and, and generally speaking, like the it's going to be a female centric Star Wars thing is, of course, fine. But it sounds phrased like the New York Post. Like it sounds like it's it's trying to get a rise out of out of uh, neckbeardy people. And that's shitty. Like, I mean, it is, but it was like literally the only thing ever said about the show. And so it's like, seriously, that's like Disney. You haven't said like. You, you just in the press with like you, you, you've that's all that Disney even said about it. And so it was just kind of weird. And so it, it's good that she was kind of writing it in that regard because it does it 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 it, um, it, it feeds that kind of neck beard culture, which is ridiculous. It, it's a show. Hmm. If the female if the main character is a female, it's a show. Right. And that's great. The main character it, that, that shouldn't matter. And so then it's just kind of feeling like, what are you, what are you trying to do? Just let it be its its own thing. We don't see the sequel trilogy as a female centric trilogy, right? Or Rogue One as a female centric show uh, movie. And so uh, I think it's great that she's able to actually tell a little bit more about um, the story that that it is specifically. 
cool. That's that's exciting. Good. Uh, and also excited to know that there's more things that uh, kind of are, are in the pipeline for what uh, could be worked on. Um, because we know that there's Cassian, if they have a Boba Fett show that they're maybe working on, and there's Obi-Wan, there's this show, there's the other animated shows. So yeah, who knows? Like Disney Plus is going to be damn set when everybody else is kind of floundering to get things created. Sounds like they've got a lot of things already maybe in the can or in the midst of in the can. You and I talk about the Cassian show semi-often, but nobody else does. Like, I, I bet oh, there's, yeah. I bet like you could get some points by just announcing the Cassian show. Like, you could get some upvotes on Reddit if they re-announced it. And everyone yeah. would be like, oh, okay. Because yeah, I think probably. it's forgotten by, by the vast majority of people. Yeah, I mean, there's the occasional... Um, I don't know. No, I think it was somebody who was released there in like Mando season three. Uh, just some random actress who was in something um, like a big show, but I don't think he's done too many other things. Um, but yeah, like the, the only thing you ever hear is just like, oh, this person's going to be in it. Like when they had said like Scar- uh, Stellan Skarsgård is going to be in it. And so it's like, right. oh yeah, I forgot that kind of thing's going. But yeah, we're really one of the only places that, that does talk about it, but yeah. it'll be good. We don't really know when it's going to come out though no. either. Um, so interesting to see. Uh, that's it for the news. Okay. And there's no birthdays this weekend or this week. Oh, wow. None, none at all. Uh, for a little reader update, uh, Dr. Afra, uh, she's kind of the Indiana Jones of the galaxy far, far away. Right. Uh, and so she's a comic character first, but they created an audio play of like her first big run of comics mm-hmm. and it was six hours. Um, and it was friggin fantastic cool i listened to it in like the last couple days like probably the last five days uh it was so well paced it was so well paced it had vader in it it had luke it had han it had leia um what's it called uh dr afra so it was it was self-titled for for this for this case um and it had multiple um voice actors involved to be able to to really create uh a great just uh, what's what I'm looking for here? Uh, lived in and very immersive experience. It was great pace, good stories. Um, it didn't kind of lull in certain areas. There were some parts of it that, that were that were better than others, uh, but there was kind of like a three PO and R two evil uh, comparison. So she has a three PO like a protocol droid that is also programmed for torture. Oh geez, uh, and she has like an R two unit that is like loaded with extra like weapons and uh she's just kind of she'll play any side uh she's a like very shifty and shady um character but she grows throughout the the story which is of course important and interesting but uh is a an artifact finder and so is the kind of character that you can set up a lot of great stories with uh and so i was glad that i didn't uh know too many details um or read any like super in-depth comic um, kind of outlines prior to this so that I was able to kind of enjoy the a lot of that big story uh, in one go. And it was it was great. It was easily the fastest I've ever moved through a property in terms of um, length of time for the audio book uh, and the amount of days it took me to complete it. And it definitely paints a better picture for uh, having um, a kind of those those shorter stories as opposed to some some of the longer drawn out ones where it can get a little uh dull or focus on some characters that just aren't that good right okay yeah 
So, okay, yeah. cool. Well, uh, listen, uh, we want to hear uh, all thoughts you might have about episode two, season two of The Mandalorian. It's called The Passenger. Uh, any observations or curiosities you might have, tweet us at Recorder66 or email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. As always, please rate and review on whatever podcast app you use to listen to us, or you can check out our YouTube channel, which is just Recorder66. Uh, we've been uploading um, old episodes there, and a video version of this podcast um, has yeah. just begun in the last week and so you'll be able to find that as well um and until we are together again may the force be with you